0: It's Friday again, everybody. Sports Report's order is back in your ears. We're back on your screens. We're here. We're in the building. We got some topics for y'all today. We're trying to talk to you. I want to shout out Frankfurt, Wilmington, and Syracuse. Thanks for holding us down. Thank you, everybody. Like, so far, we've hit our highest views on YouTube this week, so thank you for that. Please continue to spread the word. You know what I'm saying? Please continue to tell your friends. Like us, rate us, review us, all that good stuff. I'm here with Raphael Rutley. We are ready for today. We are ready to talk to you. Raphael, what is happening?
1: What's going on? Yeah, like I said, we just happy to be back for another show this week. I think this is lucky number 13 for us, so, you know, no further ado. Let's just get into it.
0: All right. So, you know, I was sitting around this week watching some college basketball, you know, watching some sports news as I tend to do. And then out of the blue, I I heard that top five projected draft pick, Brandon Miller of the Alabama Crimson Tide, who are the number two team in the country right now, who are national title contenders right now, he averages 19 and a half points, eight boards, and two assists. So this man is going places. And then I heard he potentially had an involvement in this shooting on January 15th of Jamia Janae Harris, you know, the 23-year-old mother to a five-year-old who had her life taken from her by potentially one of his teammates and one of his teammates' friends, Darius Miles and Michael Davis. So, you know, of course, as I'm watching this news, you know, I'm just sitting there paused and shocked because when I think, when I hear the words that he's involved, I'm thinking like, oh, did he pull a trigger? Or like, did he do this? Or did he do that? So then as the story broke down, you know, we were put on to the information that um, he left where they were, you know, which was a club or a bar. And either he was on his way back to campus or he had made it back to campus when Darius Miles texted him and said, hey, bring me my gun and maybe some other things that's hearsay, but maybe some other things. So Brandon Miller brings him the gun. A lot of people are saying, hey, he brought the man his property. You don't want him to keep the gun in the vehicle and get pulled over and he gets in trouble for a weapon. That's not his. I'm with all that. The other part of that is the other side are saying, well, if your buddy texts you at one one forty five in the morning and tells you to bring him a gun, you know, what's fixing to go down. So either you ignore that text, you tell him no, you tell him you're going to pick him up. And then, of course, Alabama is catching some heat. So, Raf, I want your opinion on this. But real quick, before I give it to you, I just want to throw a quick statement out here that uh, Nate Oates, the head coach of Alabama, said when asked about this situation. So, so he acknowledged, you know, Jamia Jonah Harris. He acknowledged her. He acknowledged that the situation was sad and how he felt bad for her family, especially her son. He did that part. But then he said, and I quote, You can't control everything anybody does outside of practice. Nobody knew what was going to happen. College kids are out. He was at the wrong place at the wrong time. So, Raph, you know, a lot of people are saying there should have been a suspension or maybe some kind of discipline in place. What say you?
1: As far as like the discipline, I understand that uh, people are looking at it from the outside, looking in, saying, okay, you're in charge of the institution. you need to have your thumb on the pulse of everything that's going on but we're not privy to all the information that they they receive from any kind of investigative uh borough what their lawyers on the campus said to them what the d with you know the athletic director said what the da told whomever so there's a lot of people who are involved in this process so they made a decision based off information that they had you can't I know in this current culture with this information, the way it flows, we get all this information. You know, I could pull up three or four different websites that give me three or four different stories with eight different sources and I can jump to conclusions off of that. You can read half of that statement or read the whole statement and get two different opinions. So it's like it's hard for me from the outside to make a determination what they should have done. I think and I would hope in our current climate information that flows, that all information they had available, making the decision to allow Brandon Miller to continue to play was probably in the best interest of the player and the university based off the information that they have from whatever, whomever investigated, whether they have a private investigator or any kind of correspondence, any kind of dialogue between the police, the DA and the school. So I, I imagine that the DA doesn't want to give up all information they have for their case because you still got to have a jury. You never know if if he gets if this if this case goes to trial, you can't have all information about the case public. But as far as what they did, if they got information from the police, the D.A., and they made the determination that he was able to play, that's working on the assumption that whatever information they got said that he was not criminally involved. Being associated with someone who commits a crime doesn't make you a criminal. Being friends with someone who commits a crime doesn't make you a criminal. Being a teammate doesn't make you a criminal. Not making a decision to tell him to leave that environment doesn't make you a criminal. So you can't just automatically mandate that someone be treated as such without any kind of due process. We are all owed due process. I know everyone wants finality in every initial decision, which doesn't make any sense because it's an initial decision. You're not going to get finality out of it. So, you can't mandate, like, we want resolution from the beginning. Like, things have to play themselves out. And if the school got the information that they felt was sufficient that he could continue to play on the team, then he continues to play on the team.
0: So, you know, I was all over the place, you know, when I received this news because, you know, my first initial instinct was, what? And they let him play? You know, then my second reaction was, all right, chill. There's always more. And in the information era that we live in, news is constantly flowing, even if it's just a few minutes apart. You know, we're always getting new details. There's always another article. This reporter said this. This journalist said that. You don't know who's correct. This attorney said this. And of course, that attorney is going to say whatever it is that makes their client look the best. So, as I was sitting here, you know, going through all this, my initial thought of what could have happened was as we peeled back the layers to the reports there were also some reports that said that he potentially and another teammate um potentially blocked um Harris from leaving the scene you know so if that's true then that adds a whole another layer to the case but the DA came out and said that he they didn't have anything to charge him with so from that standpoint i have to take what the DA says at face value because that's the DA so you know but my thought was He ended up with two bullets in his windshield. So from a mental health standpoint, and obviously I don't have any way of knowing whether this happened or not, but just my thoughts was from a mental health standpoint, you know, maybe sit him a game or two. You know, because this happened back on January 15th. Maybe sit him a game or two and just see where his head is. Maybe he's traumatized. You know, I don't know what the case may be. He obviously has ice in his veins because the day after all this came out. He dropped 41 points in a road game in Columbia, South Carolina, so he wasn't affected in that way. But, you know, but but some people, maybe that was his solace to be on the basketball court. I don't know what he was going through outside of the basketball court. But the part that I think I agree with a lot of people on is if your friend texts you or teammate, whoever he may be, text you at 1, 145 in the morning saying, bring me my gun. You know that he's not just trying to show it to somebody. Like, I'm not saying that, you know, Brandon Miller knew that a murder was about to occur or that even someone was just going to get shot, but that's an odd time for somebody to ask you for their gun. And then there was also debate on whether Brandon Miller even knew the gun was in the car. So some reports are saying he handed um, Miles the gun and said, hey, there's one in the chamber, you know, or one in the head. Apparently, that's the slang thing. You know, there's one in the head. So, um, but then there's other reports that are saying that he didn't know that it was in the car. He pulled up, the gun was under some clothes or something that was in his car. And Miller and I'm sorry, Miles retrieved the gun and handed it to uh Michael Davis, his buddy that allegedly ended up pulling the trigger. So from that standpoint, you know, we're going off a of hearsay. We've already learned that he's probably not going to be charged with anything. But I think what kept me kind of confused or you know as they say i had caused the pause was the whole he's the star of the team they're the number two ranked team in the nation on their way to the ncaa tournament i wonder what the reaction would be from within the locker room or within the coaching and athletic department if he was the guy sitting on the bench that averaged four points and a rebound like does it play out the same way
1: yeah and unfortunately that is the lens that a lot of Crime, athlete, out—you know—the the outpouring of, of emotions and backlash. People view it through that lens. I coined this phrase when I talked to a friend of mine a few years ago: "Talent versus tolerance." Will you take the media backlash for the fact that this guy is talented, and that's unfortunate that? that is the case when someone lost their life and multiple people could have lost their life because if if the shooting went both ways you have no idea where those bullets are going you and i we fired m4 the m16 you probably fired m9 because you're you know your different duty position i mean the 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 velocity the speed the direction we brief all that but you don't really think about you firing a gun and it can go 1600 meters like you don't think about like how effective that range is. that's pretty far that's a mile that's pretty effective for a gun. So you're just firing off bullets. You have no idea where those bullets go. Because once they leave the gun, they can go anywhere. So it can be, it's a very tragic situation. It could have got way worse, even more tragic than it already is. But I think the association with athletes in our recent history, we talk about like the 80s and 90s with a lot of the Miami hurricane teams and colleges kind of getting away with stuff. And then even through the early 2000s, now people are starting to be held more accountable but also it's causing people to want accountability immediately versus any allowing due process. So with this case, if he did pull up with the weapon in the vehicle, knowing it was there, knowing that he was going to give it to someone who was going to commit a crime, there's a law for that. There's a law that there's a crime that can be charged. It was called accessory after the fact. Or accessory before the fact, because you showed you came before crime was committed. And you essentially assist It's not necessarily like an accessory to the crime It's like you're an accessory for the fact because you showed up, you provided whatever means it was ne- that was necessary to commit the crime, showing up with the weapon, showing up with. Showing up to the location or dropping someone off at a location to get them robbed, things like that, or accessory after the fact where you pull off and you hide the weapon or you hide the dirty, the bloody clothes or you hide the, you know, things of that nature so you can be charged with a crime so if if he was involved it doesn't take like a great legal mind to say hey this is how we can charge this individual because it's you can just pull it up I put it right here on law.cornell.edu like i said i have, I have my bachelor's in criminal justice and was always interested in so it's not that difficult to prove essentially i read up the definitions like Accessory before the fact is someone who did anything to encourage, aid or assist in any material manner to the commission of a crime, thereby participating in the design of the crime. So if I call you and say, bring me my gun and you show up with the gun, knowing that the gun is in there and you watch and I watch you take the weapon up from the vehicle and the crime is committed, then you can be charged with that. So if he wasn't even charged with that, then it's safe to say that he probably doesn't have the level of involvement that would match the outrage that people would feel for him not playing. So I think the fact that he played must mean that he doesn't they don't feel like he committed a crime. So if that's the case, then he's going to have to allow allow him to play and continue his, his collegiate career. He can't be beholden to the crimes of someone that's not him. You know, these other two people committed this crime. And it, it, that's why you came up with this the phrase wrong place, wrong time. Yes, he probably should have could have handled that better. But how did you handle that situation at nineteen? I in forty one. I was I think it through differently and I try to teach my sons differently. Yo, be careful who you get in the car with, be careful these environments you go to, be careful going to places where parents are always gone and like things are going like that. But that is me being a teacher. I don't know if that's gonna be the case in the heat of the moment. And if he's in that situation again, unfortunately, I hope he makes a better decision and doesn't get himself even that close to wall or be, you know, try to be the bigger man to get this guy out of the situation. Like, hey, man, I want to fight. No, nah, man, let's just get up out of here. We got a game. Let's just get up out of here. So mm-hmm. something that simple can 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 save someone's life, can save this young man, this five year old from not growing up with his mother. If someone would have been like, hey, chill out. But unfortunately it occur, it still can't be levied on the shoulders of brandon miller because that's that's not on him because he did not commit the crime
0: and see and that was the other layer to this was that as far as the handling process goes a lot of people were outraged by date Oates' comments referring to it as the wrong place at the wrong time because when i think of the wrong place at the wrong time i think of somebody walking into the store and somebody comes in to rob it and you know maybe they caught a gunshot That was wrong place at the wrong time because you didn't do anything to cause that situation. You were just in the vicinity of it, you know, and people were saying that, well, Brandon Miller became a part of this situation by bringing the gun, by responding to that text message, uh, you know, bringing that gun there versus either ignoring the text message, telling them no, whatever the case may be, so on, so forth. But when Nate Oates comments came out, people looked at him as, Hey, you're the leader, you're the head coach, you're the adult in the room, you know? So by you framing it this way, You're either showing less value, you know, for Jamea's life or you're showing that you don't know how to respond to these situations, which could be a little unfair. Some people were asking for him to lose his job, you know, or for him to even be suspended. I don't know how I feel about that because I feel like it's easy to sit here as we are right now and say, this is what I would do, or I would never say that, or whatever the case may be. But I don't know if this is his first time dealing, you know, to our knowledge, this is the first time Nate Oates has had something like this happen as he's been a basketball coach. And we don't so know it's what, easy what
1: to sit information He has, like, he might, right. have, he might have what, for at, at this moment in time, are the facts. And the facts may not warrant a suspension. The facts may warrant, hey, you need to understand a bigger picture and maybe maybe mentorship of the player. Like listen, you guys collectively, who said up? I think it was like, I think Herm Edwards, when he's when he does a rookie symposium at the in the NFL rookie combine, he was like, nothing good happens after 2 a.m. Unfortunately, sometimes you just gotta be wiser than your circumstance. You gotta be wise like, you know what? We collectively not need not to be here but if Brandon Miller didn't do anything wrong per the criminal justice system that's operating in Alabama then we can't overly hold the coach accountable for what happened because he can't like I said he can't be everywhere. And I think that's I think what he was trying to say is like I can't be everywhere with the players. It might have been ill time to even like Leverage himself into that and put himself in the crosshairs by saying, "Well, college kids are gonna do what college kids have to do." I think if he stuck to talking about the fact that this woman tragically lost her life and this little boy is gonna grow up without his mother, I think if he focused on that and then went back to say, "Hey, I, I, I'm gonna try to make sure our team is better going forward," you know, something, something along those lines. But I think when you put yourself in the middle when you're still alive. I think people hear it like, oh, so you're not concerned with this woman lost her life and this little boy's mom is gone, or that you're you have a couple players on your team or players and their associates are violent. You're co- more concerned with the fact that, you know, hey, sometimes college kids just get out of line. I think it 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 it, it was almost a lose lose situation unless you gave a perfect statement. But if you give the perfect statement. It's going to be like, how many times did he rehearse that statement? There was no flaws in it. So <laughs> yeah, just, you just can't sometimes, win. Sometimes you just got to just say it. We got to stick to it. And then you have to trust whatever whatever process that you're aligning yourself with. But as the facts come out and it's different, then you have to address it. If it comes out that, yeah. it, that Brandon Miller had more of an involvement in it, and you got more information after the fact, and you don't address it, then you have a problem. But long as you address what information you have that you're privy to and you're honest and you're authentic and you're transparent, then people can have their opinion. But as long as you're transparent and authentic, then it's only people can just have their opinion. They, but if you're somehow, you know, trying to hold back information or you're trying to protect your players, or you're trying to protect your number one seed at the, you know, the upcoming tournament, or your team's national championship aspirations, then that will be addressed people's concerns because their opinions would then be validated like listen this is your only concern you're only concerned about winning basketball games but that's that's comes with lack of transparency but if he's being transparent then people can be upset rightfully so people be upset with violent crime people could be upset with how we behave like how people behave around college campuses people could be upset about you know how people are just lack the lack of value of human life you can be upset with that but you can't leverage that that anger on him because like It's only so much that he can do as an individual, especially if he's on that. Right.
0: Right. And I I think that, you know, like I said, a lot of people have the advantage of not not having to deal with this situation, not having to ever deal with a situation like this. So it's easy to just, you know, have all these thoughts, have all these armchair quarterback statements that you're making, especially when none of us, none of us, you know, sitting around talking about this really have the facts you know, like we don't have the court documents, you know, there are journalists out there that probably do. You know, there's people out there that have talked to Brandon Miller, potentially that, you know, maybe it was off the record or whatever the case may be. There's people that understand things that we just aren't privy to right now. But, you know, earlier I mentioned, well, hey, potentially suspend him until the investigation's over. But even that could be weary, you know, in some ways, because, you know, if he comes back after the fact, say his draft stock gets impacted or whatever the case may be right now we know him to be a potential top five pick but if he drops to say 21 you know and there's a different money structure there you know i don't know if he can come back after the fact for damages and all that kind of stuff and you bring in university in the middle of the fire for that so that was a question that i was going to ask you is even though he wasn't he hasn't been charged with anything it doesn't look like he's going to be charged with anything at this moment You know, I don't know if they can come back later and charge him, but as of this moment, he's not going to be charged. But do you think that this could impact his draft status?
1: I want to say yes. But that depends on how much information comes out. Um, Because about 85 to 90 percent of cases don't go to trial. A lot of them get plead out especially a lot of cases in environments like Tuscaloosa with the demographic that we're dealing with young black males, 18 to 24. We've all seen an episode of first 48. A lot of those cases don't go to trial. So if the case doesn't go to trial. The information that they have already is going to be what they use to make their plea deals and things like that. But if it goes to trial, and then someone gets on the stand and says, oh, Brandon knew this, Brandon knew that, then that's more information comes out. But I don't know how quickly that happens with this kind of case. So if information doesn't come out, and he's still six foot nine come June, then he's going to get drafted to a team that needs a six foot nine score who can also rebound. But if he goes to trial, and he's listed at either as a As a potential suspect or he gets charges levied against him then that'll affect it but like i said if the information doesn't come out because like i said 80 85 to 90 percent of cases get plead out especially cases that almost is cut and dry this public you get caught with the weapon you get they they have evidence that they can just put in front of you either someone's going to turn on the other one and those are the guys who have charges Mm -hmm. so a lot of those cases one person's going to say you know what it was And well, guys, well, you know, I think they'll both they'll both plea out to some deal, and then the information won't come out in trial. So if that does if that, if if no more information comes out, I I don't think it'll hurt his draft stock.
0: Well, I think for me, I just wonder where the bullets in the windshield. You know, I wonder how that gets ignored, or how you know how how do you determine you know what happened and what didn't happen? Because like, like I said, there are some reports the, 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 saying
1: that like you have to prove that the bullets hitting the windshield were directed at him because he was involved someone like if you ever seen if you pulled up a video right now of a, of a shootout in like a street setting would not train people not a military member in an armed convoy but if you see like most people just stick they stick the gun up and they're just shooting so mm-hmm. his car can just be in the parking lot that doesn't mean the bullets were directed at him it's just Bullets are coming. Well, it sounds way.
0: like they were. Well, nice. It sounds like they were on a one-way street. It sounds like they were on a one-way street. One-way street, and she was trying to get out. A le- you know, his car could have been, you know, in the way from her trying to get out. Maybe not even on purpose, but you know, just the way the cars are, maybe there's gunshots. He's trying to get out of there, maybe. Yeah, and that's you know, thing.
1: and in order, in order to prove it in court, you would have to definitively say, the gun. That fired these bullets into this windshield happened because of this. So everything has to line up. Right. That is evidence against him. So if they don't have the right. support, like if they don't have the shell casings that went through the or the bullets that went through the uh, the windshield of his car to match it with the gun, all you have is bullet holes. You can't definitively say those bullet holes happened during that then unless you have some other kind of corroborating evidence to support that the, that the, the state story, basically. So if they don't right. have it's like, well, are we going to spend a lot of time trying to prove that to get one more guy on accessory before the fact? Or do we take these two guys that we have in custody and flip one on the other and get one guy, right. license, another guy gets 15 to 20 and we yeah, and there's still justice, quote unquote, justice for her family because that's what a lot of the case. Because the caseload is so high, like they, it's it's you think in America criminal justice system that it's they want to get to the truth, and you people kind of surmise like justice and truth not the same thing. Mm-hmm. Justice, in the eyes of prosecutors, is conviction. So if you can get this guy to flip on this other guy. You get the conviction, you get your conviction rate up and you can you can get, quote unquote, justice for the family. Because if they are involved. I know the family probably would want everyone involved with her death to pay the price, but it's hard to prove everything. I have this this guy telling me this guy did it and I have evidence to support what this guy saying to me. I can get you justice. I can get this guy life. He will never come out. He'll never come out of prison. And I think the family's like, okay, that you something, right. and you and you'll, and you'll and they'll probably get both of these guys. They'll probably take. Well, you.
0: and that's why I think, and that's why I think we don't have cameras. We haven't seen any video footage, footage or surveillance at this point so if that becomes introduced later that will obviously provide a lot of clarity that we don't have right now you know but for the time being i can't i can't necessarily hold alabama accountable going off of innocent until proven guilty so i don't want to punish you and get it wrong. But, I, but, but, you know, the university has to cover themselves as well because they open themselves up to a lot of things. You know, they're a business. You know, this is sports, but they're a business, you know. So all, all that matters in this situation. So I think Brandon Miller, you know, like I said, everything we've heard so far is that he will not be charged with anything. They don't have a basis to charge him, you know. So we'll just have to see how this plays out. But for now, for now, you know, I think Alabama – Probably did things the legal best way it could. It, you might not agree with it as right or wrong, but from a legal standpoint, I don't know if they had any reason or any way to justifiably suspend him. But with that being said, you know, let's move on. You know, there's a guy out here that we talked about a couple of episodes ago, you know, and we he's been having some drama with his team in my hometown of Baltimore you know, and you know, we were wondering, you know, we were talking before about where are the Ravens gonna pay Lamar Jackson. But now we're here. We're in our franchise tag window, you know. What are the Ravens gonna do? Is Lamar gonna get his money? Is he gonna go
2: somewhere else? What's gonna happen? The
1: the gift and the curse that I've noticed with this this entire process ever since the Ravens, in theory, should have paid him before these guys, everybody else, are getting big deals. Was that everyone says, oh, Lamar doesn't have an agent. I believe he's represented by his mother. Mm-hmm. I imagine that they have some kind of lawyer on retainer just for documentation. I know like lawyer fees and manager fees and agent fees can be 10, 15, 20%. A lot of guys are willing to just show it all out. But his, you know, his family, he's being represented by his family, i.e. Vince Young back in the day. I think the bonus of that is that you don't have leaks. I was watching The Odd Couple earlier, so I want to give credit to Chris Boussard when he said this. He said that a lot of agents, yes, they work for the player. But they also don't mind greasing the skids a little bit for the team. Because you probably have two, three players on that team, you have to negotiate. So you don't want to go in there on behalf of Lamar and play hard nose because you're representing Roquan Smith. You got uh, Kyle Hamilton, the rookie, and then you got Mark Andrews. So, you know, I got four clients on this team. I can't lose my relationship with this team because I want to get the most money for Lamar or I want to get whatever the case may be. But when his family's doing it, oh, listen, I'm only looking out for Lamar. That's my only player. That's my only horse in this race. The blueprint is out there. It's simple. Sean Watson got $230 million guaranteed. Give Lamar 235 million and 240 million. And go about your your rest of your team building process that starts in February post-Super Bowl. But what they're going to do. I'm a free agent wide receiver. I'm a free agent tight end. I'm a free agent running back. Am I going to want to deal with the Ravens when their quarterback situations unsettled? I know the backup made the Pro Bowl. I don't know how that math worked out. So technically they still have a Pro Bowl quarterback on the team.
0: He, he didn't got he didn't make the Pro Bowl, he was added to the he Pro Bowl. He was added
1: to the Pro Bowl, <laughs> still counts. So he negotiates like i am a I'm a one-time pro bowler.
0: Right, right, right. So right.
1: are you do you want to ensure that you can cultivate good relations with other players coming in? Because the blueprints out there. If Cleveland can pay Deshaun 230 million guaranteed, you can pay Lamar 235 or 240. Just get it done. Because without him going into this year, you're going to create more questions. If you don't have Lamar, you won't have – you're going to create a question of, like, okay, does John Harbaugh, is he that good of a coach? The fans. Fans pay are paying good money. I looked at those tickets because Atlanta played in Baltimore. Those tickets cost. You want fans to come and pay money to see a product – when you wouldn't pay the starting quarterback, so you could put out the best product, but you still want me to shell out $14 for a hot dog, $16 for a beer. That what you want, then you need to pay your best player. The owners split a billion dollars plus per week, just all per game. They split 32 ways, a minimum, a billion dollars. You can break off, 240 million over five years. When you're getting a billion every single week, mm-hmm. break that man's bread off. Build a team around him. You got a new offensive coordinator in because if he if you franchise tag him, okay, you paying him 45 million, and he gets hurt. What are you gonna do? you just gonna let him walk next year? Are you gonna try to keep him again because he is a talent? He's one of your best opportunities to win. This is not the Trent Bill for a year with the 2000 Ravens defense. You could just win it all, even though he's throwing go routes out of bounds. You can't just be like, you know what? We're going to stick to our guns. Sometimes you got to shift. You got to like, you know what? Let's pay this man. You will put an entire ease over your team. Yes. So you set a new precedent and other owners might not like that. Now you gave 240 guaranteed, whatever. You're not gonna care if you're hoisting the Lombardi trophy in February next year. You're only gonna care if you go six and eleven and you paid out 240. Okay. But you think you're gonna go 13 and 4 with a backup? Or are you gonna bring in Derek Carr and go 12 and 5? I mean, like, what is your plan? You have a top talent, you got him young, you had him cheap for years, you sold a bunch of jerseys, they sell a bunch sold. of tickets, he's big time. He's live on the road. The Ravens, when they play on the road, they split the money with the, the that home team. You can go to Tennessee and fill that stadium. Tennessee's not filling that stadium on their own. Unless it's Washington. Unless it's Washington, they <laughs> cooking the Bucks. Good luck.
0: Well, you know, I, I was thinking about this, and I've been going back and forth <clears throat> because I've been doing the whole, is Lamar worth it? And as you mentioned, when it comes to the sales, the jerseys, you know, the bottom line, he damn sure is, you know, but I think what the Ravens also have to include into this equation is he's missed the last five games, the last two years, you know, in his playoff career, he has more interceptions than touchdowns, not saying that that's an indictment or anything like that, but those are just things that are a part of the story as well. So, you know, allegedly You know, there were reports allegedly, and this probably came out from the Ravens side of the house. You know, Lamar Jackson turned down a five year, two hundred fifty million dollar deal with one hundred thirty three million dollars guarantee, which is obviously way less than what Deshaun Watson got. But just for perspective, it is more than what Russell Wilson and Kyler Murray got as far as guaranteed money. So you can look at that one or two ways. Lamar had a deal on the table, potentially, if you believe the Ravens. He had a deal on the table that he let go. And he could have been paid already. Or you look at it and say, hey, the Ravens weren't trying to offer him everything that he's worth. And we saw this before with Dak Prescott, you know, Mr. Dakota Rain. We saw that down in Dallas or I guess, you know, Arlington, you know, wherever they're playing nowadays. You know, we saw that with his situation in Dallas ended up paying a little bit extra out of the nose for it, you know, Man, but
1: stop, a little bit stop it. They was they could have paid <laughs> like 27. It was like 25, 27 million dollars, and they played hardball, and they ended up giving him like 90 million dollars at signing because by the time that he got signed, the price of the brick went up, and now he's, you know, he's getting 40 plus million dollars this year because they didn't want to give him 27 to 28 because Kirk Cousins got the third. Kirk Cousins got three years, $84 million all guaranteed. So that's $28 million a year. They could have gave Dak that same contract and been good to go. And maybe they can get C.J. Stroud, like they've been talking about. I will get to that, too. But instead, they tried to play hardball. And then Dak ended up getting hurt on the franchise tag, and they still gave him the big deal. So the like, there's more evidence to support that. Listen, if you want the guy, keep him and pay him. If
0: you don't, then let him go don't you can't well they can't just pay him they can't just pay him they have to respect him and they have to go get a wide receiver or something to help him out because then we're just going to end up back down the road kicking the can having these same conversations you know whenever this contract goes up you know so the ravens need to not only make the commitment to lamar they need to make the commitment to We want to win and we're going to put you in the best position to win, because I don't want to wake up three years from now still having the conversation with people saying, but Lamar needs a receiver. He still doesn't have a dynamic receiver. Like, why did they pay him then? You know, so if you're not going to make that commitment and bring the other pieces in, then let him walk. And I want to go back real quick. Congratulations, Trent Dilfer, on your job as the head coach at UAB. You know, but you did throw that ball out of bounds. <laughs> but but you know, but but at the end of the day, Lamar Jackson is a dynamic player that gives you tools and things that no other quarterback in the league in the league gets you. You know, he's obviously not Patrick Mahomes, you know, but there's only one of those. Yeah, one of them. You know what I mean? But in that division, in that division, Deshaun Watson is still working rusty. Through... Rusty. Yeah, yeah, he's, yeah, he's rusty. Running, but we're not even going to sugarcoat
1: it. He looks rusty. Even I watched yeah, yeah. Play action play. He ran right into Nick Chubb. I'm like, come on, dog, this is play action. That's all you ran to Clemson. It was all <laughs> RPOs. Like, he, I was like, this dude looks, he doesn't look like he didn't look like $230 million. And that's the risk you take. The issue is you can't hold out because if he, if you right now, players that don't show up for training camp who are under contract can get fined. Teams tend to do a good a good faith waiving of the fines, which is the NFL PA, we need to talk about that too. Like y'all really need to go at like the baseball PA and figure out how they not getting raked over the coals. Because if I'm holding out for a contract and you tell me I gotta show up to training camp, I'm like, no, I'm not showing up until you give me a contract and you can find me 30 to 40, 15, $60,000 a day. It's like, where's my leverage? Okay, whatever. Neither handle that. I go off on a tangent, I apologize.
0: And of course. And of course, as I mentioned, you know, when we talked about the brick going up, you know, we were talking about the uh, franchise tag from the standpoint of, of they can do the exclusive tag, you know, where they hold on to him. Somebody makes an offer that they can decide to match or not. They could get two first round picks out of it. I doubt they want to go that route, but, you know, no, that no, is. I, not haven't, I
1: haven't heard of anybody do that. They've done it in basketball where, like, the team a match Right.
0: That's right.
1: Up on his deal that was less
0: than what he originally wanted. Well, hey, hey, just just last
1: year, not not giving up two first
0: round. Just last year, if I would have, just last year, if I would have told you that somebody would give up for a player that wasn't a top five player, what the Jazz got for Rudy Gobert, you would have told me that never happened either. So I mean, like we're in that era where things are happening. I don't know what's gonna happen, you know. If I was the Ravens, if I was the Ravens, I would sit Lamar down, and I would say, look, Lamar. We're going to give you your money. You deserve that money. But we also got some other things that we want to do. So they might come at him and say, hey, maybe we can't get you 250 guaranteed, you know, because you want more than Deshaun Watson. Maybe we can't get you 250, but we could do the petty thing and give you 231. You know, maybe you have that conversation. You know, and maybe Lamar.
1: <laughs> I was wondering where you was going with that. But that is super petty. 231. I think. Yeah. I like I like I like that because it's petty.
0: Hey, you want more than the Sean? I'm giving you I'm more than Sean. Yeah, I will give you 232.5. How about that? I give you 232.5. You know, because as it stands, you know, allegedly we've already offered you 250 million total, you know, but 117 of that is not guaranteed. You know, so we're willing to work some numbers here to help you out. Now, if I'm Lamar Jackson, I tell the Ravens. You're going to pay what you owe, you know, and that's just the end of the conversation. So you call me back when you have a number that's bigger than what Deshaun Watson is getting. And then we can talk business now from there. Maybe you get to an impasse because everybody's getting hostile, frustrated, you know,
1: like I said, there's no leaks from. Lamar's camp because Lamar's camp is his family. Rumor has it is that they are $100 million apart. I'm not sure where that $100 million is attached to. I'm not sure if It's, it's got
0: to be the guarantee money.
1: Unless he wants $350
0: million, because you got to keep money. And then I would tell him to get the F out of my office. Pat Mahomes got four. <laughs> he ain't Pat Mahomes. We already established that. But
1: once again, it's not about who you are, because at some point, Stafford was the highest paid quarterback in the league. And I think at some point Sam Bradford was the highest paid quarterback in the league. Tom the highest paid quarterback in the league. So it's all about where you are and when when you're when it's your turn to, to roll the dice, essentially. It's like everyone gets their opportunity and as everyone rolls, the the price of the money that's being bet goes up. So Josh Allen, he signed his deal, six years, 258 million. That was his extension, Colin Murray. I think his deal was five years uh Russell Wilson, his deal was five years, so like the years are coming down, the money is kind of around the same, so it just depends on how what kind of deal you wanna make with your team. So if they're a hundred million dollars off on the total contract, that can be tough. If it's a hundred million dollars on the guarantee, that also can be tough unless you can get it to it's like a DAC situation. Because Dak signed a franchise tag, got hurt against the Giants, and then re- had surgery, a couple of surgeries, rehab. They redid the contract, and I think he got something like 90, 99, 98 million million in like a calendar year between the franchise tag, the money he got when he signed his contract, and then the money he got for the following year. It was like a crazy amount. You get Lamar to a situation where you sign it, and you break them off a hundred million dollars at signing i mean that that could that could work maybe you don't if you can't guarantee the full two thirty like, listen, we'll give you a seventy five million dollars signing bonus, so you leave here today with seventy five million dollars. You invest it, you can make that you can make the money up, but we we're giving you that large of a chunk of money right now as soon as you sign.
0: But I think they negotiate that, too, because the signing bonus counts against the cap as well, you know. But even just, with that being said,
1: you just you maybe you what? just go eight somewhere. That mm. compensates for your. Your apprehension about guilt going all the way up to 240 guarantee, like, listen, we can't go all the way up to 240 guaranteed because and, you, and maybe maybe if you have an agent, the agent can hear this statement, hey. We can't give you 240 guarantee because the last couple of years you've missed games in the season, four or five games. We can't give you that because we felt like last year you could have come back for the playoffs, but you use your injury as leverage. You can say that to the agent. Then the agent goes back to the player, and then he he or she kind of folds it up in a little origami boat and presents it differently. Versus like, Listen, man, they didn't believe we used injury last year because that's what his mother's going to say. You can't yeah, tell, yeah, yeah, yeah. Listen, baby, they didn't believe you. They didn't believe you were hurt last year. We should go to another team. But the agent's like, can grease it? Because he knows 15% of zero is not 15% <laughs> of 130. So it's like, yeah, he, you know, he, I'm pretty sure for your efforts as an agent, as a as a worker in, in the inter, industry that you're in, you want to get paid. So Lamar will get paid, the agent gets paid. But as Molly, listen, we're gonna get paid because you look at the landscape. We're we're arguing a couple weeks ago if Danny Dimes was a top ten quarterback. When that was his first Oh, first yeah. Game. And
0: and 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 now, now now we had that conversation. I settled on 12. I settled on twelve, yeah. which is close enough to the top ten that you know we can say that I came over to your side. But so, yeah. I ain't giving him forty five million dollars. I read it, I read an article
1: that that was a rumor about his old agency to try to make him look bad, make him look greedy. Ah, I see. They released that number publicly say, so because he changed agencies, so they wanted to be petty. I guess that's the word of the night. And they released that number saying, hey, 45 million is what he wants. But with that being said, that's the number. So the Ravens can look and, and see that information and say, oh, Daniel Jones wants 45 million. Well, a franchise tag is 45 million. Mm-hmm. You franchise tag them again next year with contracts like Colin Murray's kicking in, Josh Allen's kicking in, Mahomes, uh, Aaron Rodgers, all these other guys' contracts. So now, the second year, your franchise tag, you get an average of the top three at your position in the second year. So. The Chargers go bananas and give Justin Herbert $52 million a year or the Super Bowl runner-up or, you know, Super Bowl runner-ups from last year and then the AFC Championship team, Cincinnati Bengals, give Joe Burrow 10 years, $500 million, and it's like a team-friendly Mahomes kind of deal, but he gets $85 million in signing, like some crazy number to, to smooth it all out. And you got Lamar playing this $45 million and he plays. And then next year, what's the price of the break then?
0: So here's a question. Here's a question. Now that we're having this conversation, this question just popped into my head. I didn't plan to ask this. Is it possible that Lamar doesn't want to come back? Oh, well, I I could based on
1: just how I would feel in that situation with the way the information seems to be coming out, it feels as if this team doesn't believe in you. Considering they're watching your peers who got drafted either in the same round as you, same year, or around that same time, get more money than you. Not necessarily get more money, but get deals done as soon as it's the window's open. Kyler Murray essentially wiped his Instagram and they still gave him a deal. He didn't play on the last year they gave him a deal. Josh Allen was just improving. I think that was like his first good year. It was like kind of this Daniel Jones situation where you had average years, subpar, give or take. Then you had an upper echelon kind of year. Then he got paid. So Daniel Jones is in that same boat. So if he gets paid and the deal gets done, before Lamar does, Lamar's been looking around like, let's just like the sixth guy I've seen who doesn't have an MVP get a deal done, a big deal?" And I know he wants more. I mean, if you look at your own division, Deshaun Watson was—he just got an extension from Houston that was like four years, 160 million. Demanded a trade out. Houston got peanuts back in the trade. And then he still gets $230 while his cases were still pending. Lamar is like, Deshaun probably his boy. But he's like, yo, this dude has baggage going on. Like, yo, I'm a model citizen. (laughs) I'm just sick of, I throw the ball unconventionally. And I'm sick of y'all not getting the top wide receiver. Those are football problems. Those are football mm-hmm. issues. Those are football related issues that you can resolve with, you know, cutting just cut them, a, cut them a real contract. So swallow your
0: pride and cut them a contract. So when we wake up on September whatever, week one, Lamar Jackson stepping on the field to the Ravens.
1: That would require let's let's spitball here. Who needs a quarterback? That's not in a position to draft one of the top three guys. So you would consider the Jets need a quarterback. They're not. They're not in that position to draft a guy. The Raiders, they're not in position to draft a guy. San Francisco,
0: are they in a need or are they good with
1: what they have and and they're kind of.
0: Well, I mean, I don't. I don't think they have a need, but you could get your hands on Lamar Jackson. You know, I mean. Tampa Bay. Tampa, Tampa Bay Bay. quarterback.
1: I Unless mean, Kyle Trask
0: thing. is the savior. <laughs>
1: but, I mean, you're, you're... New Orleans? You're going unproven, yes. Yeah, so you got New Orleans.
0: Um, Atlanta.
1: Atlanta. Atlanta drafted a guy. Well, I know, and but played, and that goes back to what I said. if you can get 16, Lamar Jackson. I mean, yeah, he's not Lamar Jackson, but they're not in a position where the team is
0: on the cusp. Matter okay. of fact, matter of fact, while we at it, just that whole division, Carolina could probably use a quarterback. They bet not draft another quarterback. They
1: got like well, eight- that's what I'm saying. But if Lamar,
0: Ooh. but if Lamar Jackson is an option.
1: But I don't know how much of an option he is other than giving up stuff. So you you figure, okay, we'll we'll give you we'll give you eight teams that aren't in a position to draft the top. Eight it was like eight teams that aren't a position to get CJ Stroud or Bryce Young. Chicago. <laughs> That's the thing. If me and you were playing Madden against each other, you're GM, I'm GM. Okay, we can make that for Xbox sake. That's like a real thing that we would do on Xbox because it's, it's fun or fantasy football. But in the NFL, are you are you giving up Justin Fields and the number one pick to Lamar Jackson? Green Bay. Green Bay still has to make a decision on Aaron. So theoretically, well, he,
0: well, I Green, think Aaron he, has to make a decision on them. I think the, I think he has them he's making the
1: it well. a scene like that. But he does <laughs> not Minnesota is going to be good next year. Detroit's going to be better than Green Bay next year. So Green Bay is looking at it like, OK, this is our gap year. We'll put Justin uh, Jordan Love in there and see what he can do. And Tennessee, you know, Tennessee can potentially get rid of. But that's the thing. So you got about eight to ten teams that aren't in a position to draft a top quarterback that could go get Lamar. But I think getting Dallas to draft Dallas is locked in. They all that. Hey, other,
0: hey, they apparently they, they like, like CJ Stroud. Oh, he just he just wants some attention. huh? Yeah, he just wants some, He, he get his thought on right now, because the only thing you can talk
1: about with Dallas is do you cut Zeke or not? That's the most exciting mm-hmm. conversation to have in their offseason.
0: That's it. Think about and it. They should. And they should. And that's it. That's the answer. Okay, no, so we, so let's pause for a second. So let's pause for a second. So when we come back, you know, I don't know, two weeks from now, is Daniel Jones franchised or does Daniel Jones have a new deal?
1: Daniel Jones is franchised. Saquon is
0: probably the- out of there. running back. Yeah, yeah, he's out of there. Yeah. Um, and then last one that I was just thinking about just because I saw some stuff today. What happens with Miles Sanders? Like, is he going to be an Eagle next year?
1: I think he'll be eagle because his argument for like his success can be countered with the team runs the ball well. You're not the reason the team runs the ball well. So I I what I do think
2: you you have to
1: I'm trying I'm trying to figure out how to get this out. Baltimore has to get the deal done with Lamar because there are a lot of teams that have skill, position, talent that will be available to help Baltimore. And they just got to get out of their own way, because I think a guy like Kenny Galladay with the Giants, I don't know if he's already been cut or released or what his contract stipulation is. But I know he is definitely on the outs with Brian Daywell. So you can do the old belly check and send a seventh round pickup there
0: and put him on your on your team. Cause he he hadn't played. There's no tread on I him. I mean, if you if you do it right, if you do it right, you can get Galladay and or you can get Hopkins too.
1: Yeah. You could get it's plenty of tread on his tires with Galladay because he didn't play. It was so many games he didn't even dress multiple yeah. weeks. So I don't, then, don't even he, know. Is Mike Thomas gonna play this year? Yeah, I know he can get paid this year. Yeah, He's going get
0: paid, <laughs> but is he, gonna play? <laughs> nah, he not gonna
1: play? He he hurt his ankle two years ago and
0: ain't played since.
1: Oh, that's so terrible, man.
0: Yeah, like, so, it, like it makes me think of Grant Hill, you know. I think I
1: don't know what happened with him. They he shouldn't have been in the game that he got injured with two years ago. That was full that was two full seasons ago. I know. That was the year that Tom Brady Super Bowl, that was the year. Like that was the first game of that mm-hmm. year, the year that the mm-hmm. Bucks won a Super Bowl. We've had two Super Bowls since then, and he mm-hmm. hasn't played a handful of games since then. But if he's healthy, you can you pay Lamar his money. You have skilled position guys. You have Michael Thomas could be available. I don't know what his cap hit look like if you take him off New Orleans. Hopkins could be available. Galladay's available. Oh I,
0: oh, I think he has the biggest cap hit in the league actually. But I don't I don't know how it works
1: if you trade like if you can say hey you guys right, have right, x right. amount of that whatever the case may be you you have you got a new offensive coordinator and then you have a dynamic quarterback that makes the defense have to adjust to the quarterback so they can't play man to man because you all turn your back and mark the market take off. And if you play zone, if you have the right concepts, passing concepts with the passing windows, you got to
0: spy Lamar if you if you play zone. You and they got good backs. And, you have and they good got back. good backs. And you, you know, and if Lamar Jackson can stay healthy, you, you could see the Ravens in the AFC Championship game. You could. You know, I know they were a trendy Super Bowl pick this year. I didn't necessarily agree with that, but I can see the I can see the Ravens being in the AFC Championship game because you figure just yeah, it'll be a, probability. Go ahead. Well, well, you know, just probably <laughs> well, you know, just probability, just probability. Most teams don't go on these extended runs that we've seen lately. I mean, I'm not saying Kansas City's going to fall off cause Lord knows I don't want Travis Kelsey calling me out at the Super Bowl next year. but well, you know, but but but, but, these, but, these runs, but these runs but these runs end at some point. these these runs end at some point. Like me, and you, like we always talk about how not only do you have to have the players, not only do you have to have the skill, but you got to have that luck, too. So something unlucky, it's probable, it's probable that something unlucky could happen to Kansas City. You know, it's probable that...
1: Two penalties
0: change the entire dynamic and course of the
1: situation.
0: Yeah, it's probable that Cincinnati... It's probable that Cincinnati may not make the AFC Championship game again next year. Like, these things don't tend to happen in that way where two teams are... You know, the, like you know, you had the Cowboys and the 49ers and all that in the 90s, but that's just because Dion kept swapping jerseys. You know what yeah. I mean? But, but like this generally doesn't happen in that way. NFL windows are generally pretty yeah. short. The so,
1: period is, is like I said, we, we talk about every every time we talk about football. It's a team in every division that goes worse to first every year. You know, right. we have 14 playoff teams originally when it was back in the day. Not back in the day. I'm talking like we're old. But when it was 12. You know, it was like something like four to five new teams every year. And then it's. Well, always that was the
0: NFC South team. special.
1: Yeah. And there was always a team that goes worst to first. AFC South, NFC South. The AFC East was on lock for a while. NFC East had, you know, Dallas had a good run. The NFC West, that changed over a couple of times. Seattle was king. And then it was San Francisco. So it's always good changeover. It's just that if you're going to manage a team, you have to acknowledge that no matter how you feel about paying a certain player, you have to look, okay, what's the landscape? What are you going to do? Because you can replace maybe a running back if your scheme is good enough, if your offensive line is good enough. But you can't always just replace a quarterback. Mm -hmm. And it's not always, sometimes it's not always just numbers. Like Cooper Rush did a great job coming in for Dak. But if Dak wouldn't have thrown the ball away every game, his numbers would have been substantially bigger than Cooper Rush because that position to drop off from your starter to your backup is substantial. This offseason, there's not a guy out there like Lamar. And we saw the mock draft. I saw a mock draft that had Baltimore at eight. And I was like, how did Baltimore get the eight? And then I pulled up the draft order, and Atlanta's at eight. So I'm like, so you mean to tell me that in your mock draft report, Where they had Anthony Richardson going number one overall to Indy, they had CJ Stroud going eight to Baltimore. So that means you had Baltimore trading with Atlanta to get Lamar. I'm like, that's way too many. That's way too much stuff to happen in real. That's
0: somebody with a that's somebody with a great imagination, with a Stephen King type imagination, imagination.
1: Martin Scorsese level imagination. They
0: should
1: be movies. With this so, so hey of a box draft that he came up with
0: so 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 lamar jackson if if he were to leave the ravens in some kind of capacity it could kill the ravens but what if not load
2: management is killing the nba
1: the load management part of the nba like i said we, we talk about this we talk about it all the time It's the – people talk about it from the fan perspective. People talk about it from the team perspective. They talk about it from the science. They talk about it from the injuries. Anthony Edwards during the All-Star break talked about, hey, you know, if you're 70%, 80%, just get out there and play. Draymond responded to that. He was like, for him, he was like, I get it. He's 21, 22 years old. He's like, everything he said is 100% correct from his vantage point, he was like me, I've been in the league 11 years. And I've played two full seasons of playoff games on top of that 11-year career. So it's not just that clear cut, like you want a guy to risk an injury, you know, going forward. But let's think about it. If a guy's 80% and you can play You're probably not going to risk injury. You're probably just going to hurt a little longer. Kevin Durant was risking injury because there was something up with his Achilles. Because he was out for like three weeks. And tried to come back and his Achilles because it was like it was borderline, but it wasn't. He needed rest. It wasn't a nagging shoulder. It wasn't, you know, swelling in his toes or whatever the case may be, because all that stuff can be treated for you to play. My issue is I live here on the East Coast, live here in Jersey. I want to go to a game. I'm going to Philly. I'm going to Brooklyn. I'm going to New York. So if I want to see the Suns after they all get healthy, Suns versus 76ers on like a Wednesday, man, that would be $200 for the ticket and I'm above the scoreboard. But if I wanted to see the 76ers versus the Magic on a Wednesday, it's $40. Why is one game 200 for the same seat the next one's $40? Because of the player, plan demand. Because the players that are going to be on the team. So, if you're going to charge me $200 for row ZZ seat 26, then $46 for that same seat for the Magic when the Suns show up, Booker, Chris Paul, Tom Chambers, Dan Marley, Kevin Johnson, Barkley, I need all of them to come out here and play. If you're gonna charge me $200 for that,
0: for that, you no, know I'm saying give me my Richard Dumas. I
1: need all of them. <laughs> I need Paul Westfall. I need all. I need them all. I need all of that. So if you're gonna yeah. charge me that money based on those names being on the team, then those guys need to be on the bench. And basketball shorts and shoes, ankles taped up, fingers taped together, band-aid stitches, the the Richard Hamilton mask on, whatever. So like, <laughs> if they're not gonna play, and you know that prior to game time, you need to go ahead and tell the NBA we wanna enact our low management insurance and pay back fans for the markup. Cause if that ticket is average of fifty bucks all year long and I, and you got a fan that pays 200 for it because Kevin Durant's supposed to play, and he's not playing because of rest or whatever the case may be. Then you enact your insurance, not insurance that I pay for to protect my ticket like I'm on some kind of airline or whatever the case may be, which is already bothering me on the end of itself. So you enact it and say, hey, we're going to enact our load management insurance, and we're going to pay people back if they can, you know, submit their ticket, whatever, and then this amount of time. I don't know how that works i'm not an economist but you know how to mark the price up if i don't get the product that you're charging me for you need to bring it back down and give me my money back if i order you know, I got something I- if i order a 10 piece and you only give me five okay break off that bread and give me back my money because you only give me five wings
0: well you know i got something i gotta get off my chest i um A little early, but I got something to get off my chest, you know. So, (laughs) you know, I was playing around on FanDuel, you know, just minding my business. You know, usually, you know, I'm a cheap ass. You know, I I play like the $5 games.
2: Sometimes you got to do that. You know, I was like,
0: yo. I I said, yo, let me in on this $25 game. So I set my line up. I'm all excited. I was all excited. You know, I went to my son's soccer practice. You know, we did parents against the kids, so I had to be active. So I wasn't on my phone and all that stuff like I normally am when I am at practice. You know, I was out there running around, you know, and if you must know, I got a header for the goal, you know, that we was getting it in. And then uh, yeah. I came back to the car. You know, I came back to the car, started driving home. And, you know, I'm not texting and driving, I'm not texting and driving. So I got first. home.
1: First. Yeah, I got home.
0: I pull up my phone because I'm like, yo, let me check these scores real quick. And then uh, Jeremy Grant was marked in red on one team that I had. And Dame Lillard was marked red on the other team that I had. And I said, whoa, what did I miss? Did they get COVID or something? I'm concerned about them because, you know, I was here for the three-point contest for Dame. you know. And then I looked it up and they said these dudes were resting because of a flight delay because of the weather and you know they didn't get into town until late now this is this is the thing that pissed me off about it because i try to be an understanding person i try to be an understanding person but this is what pissed me off about it y'all ain't played a game since like valentine's day you know what i mean for one you know what i'm saying for two yeah for two y'all love y'all love basketball I love basketball. You know, I can get out on that court with my old ass or whatever the case may be. You can get out there because you're getting paid or whatever. And so what made me mad about it, I was like, well, I can understand if they got a back-to-back. Yesterday was Thursday. They don't play until Sunday. So you had Friday and Saturday to catch up on whatever rest you need.
1: They went home. They couldn't fly out. So they went home to their own houses, slept in their own beds and then came back, and then couldn't leave. I just left Utah, and, like, the weather that was out west with the snow and everything else. They were flying from Portland to Sacramento.
0: An hour and 30-minute flight. If that. Oh, I Googled
1: it. I Googled it.
0: (laughs) That that depends on how, you know, depends on how fast
1: you hit hitting thrusters or whatever. Because, like, I flew from Utah to Vegas. It was 40. We got to 30,000 feet. He was like, we'll be landing in 40 minutes. So it was like, we went up. He said, thir- he said 40 minutes. So I took my nap, came back down at 35 minutes. And he was like, yeah, hey, we got it early. Like, we got it like, we got it like 50 total minutes of this flight. So, so it's definitely quick enough. The issue is that the load management, shout out to Greg Popovich for extending Tim Duncan's career, Um, it's, I don't think there's any way for the NBA to regulate it because you can list toe, ankle, shoulder, tendinitis, swelling, whatever. The you can
2: bring finger or, on the or, shooting or,
1: hand. <laughs> you you can you can list anything. I think the NBA still should be like, "Well, you got to pay this insurance." Not to make not to make it to where a guys got to play injured. But so you can't put a guy down for rest, because if you have a guy who's a star, somebody who's on the marquee. So if the game is Portland versus Atlanta. And you're charging this much money to see Dane and Trey Young because they're both on the marquee and one of them's not playing for something that's not an injury. Then you got to break bread back to the fans because you charge more. Like, yeah, I, I you feel really like we're going to be- charge more mm-hmm. for those tickets. Then you you can break the brand back that I think that's the only way to do it, because I'm not going to tell you to play a guy injured. But you're not going to charge me based on the fact that he's on the team. I don't care how he looks in a hoodie or how he looks in, in the baggy Gucci pants. Everybody's wearing now the Versace pants or or these little choker necklaces or whatever they got on. Yeah, it's cool. I appreciate his game and, like, I like his style, whatever the case may be, and he's sitting on the bench. But if he's sitting on the bench with a Balenciaga hoodie and I paid $220 for these seats and he's not playing, cool, go ahead, give me that $40 rate, break back, you know, it's $180 off. Or roll me some tickets. I need three tickets for these same seats for the next three home games. Like, I need something. Because you can rest them. Because the media, because like I said, this this the media has basically just told us that all that matters the championships. So guys are trying to get ready for the playoffs. Kawhi Leonard said, hey, you know, it's going to be ready for April. Blah, blah, blah. You know, he sounded like the robot version of Shaq. But, I mean,
0: if, the, if you're going to do like, that, that's fine. So soon we're probably going to be talking about where Trey Young's going to be playing next year. You know, I'm sure that's going to be a thing. But you know, back on topic, you know, as far as like, I don't want to do it. I know I don't want to do it. I know we had our sidebar about it in the chat. I don't want to do it. The old, the old era versus the new era argument, you know, so we don't have enough data yet to know how effective load management is. Like you mentioned how it extended Tim Duncan's career probably, but I think guys are still getting hurt a lot. There's probably, it seems like they get hurt more, or at least they have more injuries that keep them out for longer. But from the standpoint of Regardless of what the media is saying about championships, you know, regardless of what the fans are saying about who's the goat and all that kind of stuff like that, you love to play basketball. Where's your pride of, look, man, I'm running at full speed. I can play, you know, like, yeah, you know, um, my shoulder hurts a little bit, but you know what? I'm 30 now. My shoulder's supposed to hurt a little bit, you know, whatever the case may be. I'm not saying – that dudes go out there and throw their shoulder out of the socket or anything like that, but I think that we know ourselves to some degree well enough to know that hey, if I run right now, I'm probably going to collapse, so I shouldn't run. But if I can get up and down that court, maybe I play 24 minutes tonight instead of 31. You know, you can cheat it on the minutes versus cheating it on the full game itself because we talked just on practice. Yeah, don't just don't practice because we talked. We talked about LeBron the other day. We talked about LeBron the other day as far as like um, having teammates that allow you to sit down and be able to rest for longer periods of time because they can keep the game within that range while you're long. out. Stand in the corner. And, and,
1: Kyrie dribble, dribble, dribble on the other side and make his move and score while you stand in another. Right. did it in Cleveland. Yeah.
0: Right. So, so, so like, so like, you know, like there's still games this year where LeBron was playing 40 minutes and that, you know, that shouldn't happen unless it's a playoff game, you know, what I'm saying? unless we're in game five or something, you know, whatever the case may be. But when, but when I look at it, you know, you can cheat the minutes. Like, you know, it's all about numbers, you know, there's like baseball, right? They have pitchers on counts now, you know what I mean? Like, I'm not going to let my guy go out there and throw 110 pitches and cut his career short by a couple of years because I'm over using him i'm going to pull him at 80 or 70 even and we just go from there so you know people like Giannis, who play on one of the better teams in the league the year that they won the title they were they, it was something like when the playoffs started he was only playing 33 or 34 minutes a game like most of that was because they were blowing teams out but they were able to get by with him playing 33 minutes a game so you know if if you're happy if,
1: if Curry has stuff from a cycle Curry. like that too where you're gonna sit you're gonna sit right deep- Twelve actual real life minutes, that's four right. and I think
0: minutes. what bothers me and I think what bothers me and I know I'm in the minority on this, but you know I, I always feel like if you're going to low manage low manage during a home game you know what I mean like if you're like say Golden State and you're going to Charlotte, and you only go to Charlotte once a year since they play in the east play you Charlotte. need to play that game yeah for one step you know in California yeah yeah like, like let these road fans that only get to see you that one time and i don't want to do the whole maybe it was a birthday present maybe it was a christmas present i don't want to do that I'm, thing I'm but, not,
1: but not, i don't even want to pay i don't want to play to the, to the i think sometimes because i've heard that argument is like i don't want to play to the they only had the money for one game i'm like i don't care if i got enough money for 10 games but if you charge me 200 when that ticket is normally 45 and you charge me 200 because Steph Curry's coming, and you charge me 200 because LeBron's coming, and you charge me 200 because Giannis is coming, then that means you are ensuring that my additional 155 bucks that I'm putting into this ticket is because that guy is coming and that guy's yeah. playing. Well, you know, a gift. I don't care if you're taking your side chick to the game or you're taking your <laughs> co worker to the game. If you're gonna charge me that money because this person's on the team and they're supposed to play and they show up and you rest Clay, Draymond, Jordan, Poole, and Steph, I'm I'm starting to riot. I'm throwing nachos. I'm throwing them sixteen dollars beers on your bench. I getting <laughs> kicked out for my two hundred
0: dollars. Well, you, you know, you know, this is a bad year for the Steph Curry fans because he's just been out. You know what I mean? And That's so fine if he's out, no, no, I know. to play but, on but, Thursday you know, but,
1: in New York and then he sits in brooklyn's friday
0: but you know um but you know me and the Wiz went to that game about a month ago and i was scared because it was steph's second game back from the injury so i was scared he played you know a couple of nights prior i said oh crap is he gonna play tonight he did play that night clay played that night everybody played but the problem was they won by 31 points, so they only played 23 minutes. <laughs> but but that was but and that I'm was okay. But that was okay. The game goes like that sometimes, and the Wiz still got to see Steph. She's happy. You know, I'm happy. Whatever the case may be. But I would have been pissed and probably never went to another Spurs game again if I'd have went to that game and they didn't play. Spurs. Yeah, because I'm like, look, your fans get you 41 times a year. You know, like, you, I'm sorry. I know every fan don't go to every game but I only get you once or twice a year, maybe three times, four, depending on what conference we're in and all that stuff. So I need to see you when you in my city, you know, that's just how I feel as a fan, you know, and I know I'm not better than anybody else. I know I'm not important in that way or whatever the case may be, but my money is important and my time is important. And I don't want to go to this. I mean, imagine going to an NFL game and you're like, oh, yo, I mean, granted, there are times where you get to the wars at the end of the season. Somebody's got a seat locked up, and maybe you, like, sit some players. That's but you kind of know that going in. Week 15, right, right. You 16, know that 17,
1: going in. if you're 12-2, and two, and, for instance, Jalen Hurts, he was nursing a shoulder. Okay, give him a couple of weeks because you had a nice little cushion in your division, and you had a division game in the season, so you, you had your opportunity to do it. But
0: if he's healthy and you just didn't play him, yeah, imagine going to an NFL game. You know, imagine going to a Giants game in week 10. Kansas City come through, and it's like, oh, yo, Mahomes and Tyreek Hill ain't playing today. Like, you know what I mean? Like, you know, people would riot. Yeah, absolutely.
1: Absolutely would riot. But with low, with low management in NBA, and I get it. It's 82 games. We all know it's an 82-game season. You get paid off of 82 games. Owners get paid off of 41 home games and then their 41-row games that they split. I get all of that, and I understand all that you want to you wanna get a guy. And they say guy, it seems like guys are hurt more now. I don't think guys are hurt more. I just think that in the year where Stockton – I think Stockton played, like, 82 games, like, 89 years in a row. I think it's probably games that he probably could have sat. Well,
0: I just I think that, think that there's – I think
1: there's I more – He could have probably sat on Friday.
0: But you don't think about it. You just play. Well, you know, I think that when we talk about like the sports evolving and where we are today from an athlete standpoint, these guys are more explosive. You know, they jump higher, they're faster, all that good stuff. I think that we just tend to see more Achilles and ACLs and things like that than we probably, or or, or we or we were, or we were just young enough to not I really. Know. I
1: think what we get, I think what we're getting now is that a guy will have a strain. And they will automatically say 10 days. Right. Versus, like, i give, I give you an example, like, like my own son, okay? Last, his seventh grade year of football, he hurt his shoulder in, like, on the first play of their first game. Hurt his shoulder. Adrenaline kept him going. He played through the whole game. So that game was Saturday afternoon. Sunday, his arm hurt. Monday, he couldn't lift up above his head. Tuesday, Wednesday, the same thing. So I'm like, man, all right, you can't lift your arm up by tomorrow. We got to go get an x-ray. So we get the x-rays had a small fraction of his clavicle. So the doctor said probably five to seven weeks. He only plays eight games. He's distraught. He comes in the house from school Friday after school. And he's like, Dad, look. And he could put both of his arms above his head. But the day before, he couldn't. So if I'm a trainer, based off like how these NBA guys are going, a guy can be hurt a couple of days. You give him a couple of days rest, and then you you let him play it out. And then maybe he's good to go in five days. But because they put $200 million contracts on these guys, they just say, all right, 10 to 12 days. So if that's three or four games, then that's how many games. Or they'll say three to six weeks. Three to six for a stream. Kevin Durant missed most of his time in Brooklyn, but they kept talking about every broadcast. Oh, he's doing a lot of full contact, five-on-five play at practice. Okay, then why is he not playing for two more weeks? Because championships, playoffs are more important the same thing with like hockey players. hockey players fight in the regular season. not a lot of fights in the playoffs because they know where their bread is butter It's like winning the championship. so if that's cool with you as an owner as a team, I'm with it i'm with I'm with it if you're gonna just have your basketball team come to town, I go check out the game. I'm gonna have a good time regardless. I'm gonna get the stadium food. The French fries with the cheese sauce. I talk a lot about food. I'm get the pizza, cheese steaks, whatever the case would be. I'ma have a good time. I'm gonna make a whole day of it. Most of these stadiums are in the downtown area, so you can get right to the bars afterwards. I'm gonna make a whole night of it. Madison Square Garden is right downtown in Manhattan. You go to the game there, you come on the street and you just, you know, have a good time in the city. I'm gonna make a whole night of it. Just just be keeping hundred and charge me a regular price for if you know these guys aren't going to be there. That's it. You can keep your playoff run and your championship aspirations, but when it comes to it, don't charge me four or five times what it normally costs for that ticket simply because the Lakers are in town.
0: Well, You know what else gets expensive? These youth and travel sports. Ooh, who are <laughs> you telling? So I was That's looking, I was looking. Here. Yeah, so I was looking and, um, you know, according to Wintergreen Research in the United States, <laughs> and I love this word, the industry, the youth sports industry is apparently a $15.3 billion market. You know, these parents are paying out the teeth, they're paying out the nose, you know, these kids are, you know, getting a great experience, I guess, more than not, but, you know, it seems as though there's some issues potentially with just family life, quality time, that type of thing and then if you're the kid on the team that doesn't come from an affluent background, you know, are you getting the most out of that experience because you're probably not going to play very much.
1: Okay. I can I could speak to this as a as a kid, I played a lot used I played baseball growing up, played basketball growing up. I wasn't really a good. My cousins played football, I tried to play with them. And what we had growing up a group of Virginia I'm um, between Virginia, and Germany. My dad was an army it's so an army brat. So in that case, we had steady income. My dad did like 19 years. Army retired we back and forth between Germany, and Northern Virginia. So he was a big baseball player. Big baseball fan. I was a baseball fan growing up. So I play a lot of baseball. My uncle played baseball. So living on base, as you can probably attest, People who don't know much about the military, every base essentially is designed to operate completely independent of everything outside of the gate in most places. Most of them have an elementary daycare center, elementary school, a clinic or a hospital, grocery store, a regular shopping store like a Walmart. It's called the BX. <coughs> Excuse me. We have a 6 that sells alcohol. We have every, from a military standpoint, we have a commander, we have lower level commanders, we have all the equipment we need to operate independently at most, most bases. Some bases might not have it because they just decided to downsize. So we also have soccer fields, baseball fields, softball fields, basketball courts, gyms, so we can have our own youth sports leagues. So I grew up playing youth sports on base. I'm gonna I'm a say realistically, 35 to 40 bucks to sign up for the season. Cleats when I was nine, 10 years old. Man, we'll call it 35, 40 bucks, tops. Baseball bat around the same. So you can outfit me for baseball when I was what grade sixth grade. I'm 11. You could probably outfit me. No registration, anything else, up to being ready to go for about 120 bucks. The team gave you your pants, your socks, your hat, your jersey. It wasn't personalized. It was a standard jersey. You played. You bought the pitchers. The games were on base. We had multiple teams on base. You didn't travel because it was a wreck. Everybody could play. Everybody got an opportunity, and the team was picked at random. 80 kids signed up. All right, we're going to make five teams, and you just put 15 kids per team, or at that point, yeah, like 15 kids per team. Um, now being a parent of a youth athlete, my son plays lacrosse and he played rec lacrosse for a couple of years, even though it was a couple hundred bucks, his stick this year was 350 bucks. His helmet was 225, 250. And that was discounted, by the way. Uh, his cleats, he's still, he's still wearing his football cleats, but he had two pair of football cleats. So <laughs> he's still wearing his football cleats. So I'm pretty sure he's going to want a new pair when the season starts. And then the league in and of itself was like $3,000. So you pay a flat rate. I think I paid like 500 to 600 bucks to start. So that got it deducted every month. I'm like, you know what? We got a whole year of this. So back in August, signed him up. I'm paying out like 300 some something bucks a month. Just it was part of my my bills that just came out. We haven't had too many tournaments. The tournaments we played so far have been in Jersey. I got an email. I think we have a couple in Pennsylvania. Most of them in Jersey, but there have been emails for fillers. Like, hey, anybody want to go in this tournament December 29th through the 31st in Orlando? So those tournaments do pop up. He has a friend really good football player, good basketball player, but he plays travel baseball. So a lot of those parents, they play Jersey, Tennessee. I think he said they had a couple in Virginia. He's like the furthest south they went was Florida, like northern Florida, and they hadn't gone far too far west. I think Tennessee, they had their tournaments. But he is, like my uh, my son's friend, is a the, the son of a teacher and a police officer. You know like they have dual income their jobs allow them to be able to travel starting friday afternoon through the weekend for these tournaments that are out of town and stay in hotels and you get training like my sons i take them to lacrosse practice lacrosse practice indoor practice at this expensive gym on sundays and it's probably maybe 100 kids between like three or four teams but they probably have six to eight coaches there for each drill section. So you, they section it off. So not only is he in an indoor environment where it's safe, clean, no slipping, AstroTurf field, he has eight coaches. They have multiple bits of equipment. He has the best piece of equipment they can get for his position as age, which also costs the helmet cost, but he gets that one-on-one time. Whereas he also plays the rec team, because him and his friends want to just play rec because it's just fun. Well, most of those travel kids are also on a rec team. So if you're just a kid that just plays rec, and then you get a, some travel kids that show up, you know, that's that could be eight players that just take up. They're just on the field the whole time because they're getting the rec training because their parents are able to do it.
0: So I was going to ask you, um, <clears throat> as I was finishing the opening part of this, I brought up how um, if you don't come from... Um, affluence you know you probably don't get that same experience as every as everybody else or you don't get to play as often as everybody else is that something that you see as well
1: what you what i've noticed is that especially with our football because there's not a lot of travel football football is normally localized and then each league it's like league like our league is uh northern Burlington. we pick our price point and Depends on who's running the league locally. They, you pick your price point. So I think my son's league this year was like $275 for football. Another league in a different area around here, because like where I live in Jersey is kind of like on the base and around the base is kind of a lot of farmland, a lot of old money. So it was like 200, 275 bucks somewhere around that range. Well, more the city part of our league, it might be $75 for that team or 100 bucks. So it does give the people who are, who have this, a little bit more disposable income or who are willing to spend a little bit more, it gives them an opportunity. But what it does, even at my son's level, he's only, he'll be 14 next month. He gets an opportunity to get training from someone who might've been a former lacrosse All-American or former lacrosse coach of a natural championship team because these organizations bring in so much money that you get so many resources, you get so many opportunities. Like the gym that they work out in is an indoor gym. You know, people pay a monthly fee for that, but it's built into the cost of the league. So instead of paying, because if you bring brought a guest to that same gym that they work out at, it's twenty bucks just to bring a guest for one day. But with this league, it's like I'll oh, just show up nine to noon every Sunday, essentially. So it does, it does, it does price out the rec kid. There is there are more extremes, like you talk about your son in AAU. There's a lot of personal coaches that people hire. And I think that piece, even more than the travel team, I think that's a little bit more because if you have if your kid is gonna be a blue chip prodigy and then you're willing to pay, like I talked to one of the, one of the players. He was a one of my son's former coaches. His son was a quarterback. He was like, Oh yeah, he has a throwing coach. And this was last summer on his way into ninth grade. So I watched him as a youth quarterback on our in our youth program, our rec program, football. And he was a good quarterback. He's a good kid, you know, son of a coach. So of course, a lot of the lot of that relationship was like, I'm the coach, I want my son to be quarterback. But then he hires a, a throwing coach. So now he's working up the throwing coach two or three days a week. And then we have freshman, soft freshman programs, JV programs and varsity at the high schools around here. So he's a starter on the freshman program. Well, is he the starter because he's naturally good at being quarterback or is he the starter because his dad can afford to pay for a throwing coach? And then those situations where he can just go back to the mechanics that he's taught by this coach who was like a former division two quarterback or something like that, who started a business where he's teaching young kids how to play quarterback. Does the kid that just plays rec, who just has a good arm, but doesn't know the nuance of throwing a deep out route, that doesn't know the footwork, he just knows how to throw a football. Does he get beat out by the kid who got, who has a dad or mom that comes from money that can hire a coach? And that's where like the argument is like, are the rec programs being Phased out because of the travel programs.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah, so I was reading that in that 10 year window from 2008 to 2018, the percentage of kids in the US that played youth sports dropped from 45% to 38%. So that was kind of alarming because I guess that gets back more into the uh, money aspect of it is that people are just being priced out because, you know, we had a conversation a little while ago about baseball in particular, you know, oh, I'm sorry, about hockey in particular, about how people are being priced out, how the prices just keep going up. So it's harder for people to actually, I guess, get the benefit out of it. But, you know, from the family aspect, um, as far as quality time, having more, I guess, time with kids and all that kind of stuff, just to spend that family time and bond, have you run into that issue where it seems as though – there's so much time involved in this that you kind of miss out on that. Well,
1: I spend a lot of time around the field as is because I just like being I like being I like being a fan of my kids. My oldest son played high school football, wrestled and they did track and field. What worked out for us is that my youngest son didn't do travel sports in, so it didn't interfere. So when his football season, my youngest son's football season ended around the same time as my oldest son's. So they both transitioned to wrestling. So we spent a lot of time at wrestling meets. And then the spring, one played lacrosse, one was track and field, but you know, one was scheduled with high school. So it was like it, we were able to, to, to do these things. With travel, it could be your it's your whole weekend. So if you, for instance, my son, my oldest son, when he was a senior in high school, he would have weekend track meets. He did pole vaulting and a javelin. Well, if my youngest son wanted to play travel sports, then that same time period, we would have been out of town for a tournament and I would have missed my oldest son's senior year events because I'm paying for the travel events. So for me, it worked out because my son didn't play travel then, and I didn't want him to play travel then, because I'm like, I'm not paying for you to be, just for you to be in a, you know, you and a bunch of nine-year-olds to be traveling all over the place trying to play these sports. Like, once once I know that you are really good at it, I'll get you into travel sports before you get to an age where you're being recruited. Now they're recruiting kids 12, 13 years old, and I think that's a little excessive, but that's that's a topic for another day. So. What ends up happening is that if you if you have the time, which my job is always afforded me an opportunity, being active in the military, if I'm not deployed, then I have a set schedule. Either I have these weekend this weekend off or I don't have this weekend off, but I normally have every other weekend off or I will set my shift up to where I work nights. That way I can still come to these events during the day. But if we had to travel, I'd have to take time off but I had a job that was, that afforded me that opportunity because I can just put in leave, boom, no questions asked. But if you work somewhere it was a little bit more blue collar, where you're more of a laborer and you don't just necessarily just have weekends off or the expectation of even having weekends off, it can be bothersome, it can be a bit of a burden. And, or if, if one parent has that kind of job and the other one doesn't, and it's like, hey, I signed up, my son, I signed up, I signed up, you know, Joe for lacrosse. It's like, well, I work, Weekends. I can't go to Pennsylvania for the weekend for this tournament. So now, one parent paid for it. I paid for it. I'm going, I'm taking them. And then you have the other parent who can't or has to take time off work. And I think it it could cost us right there. So it is definitely something that has to be worked. Mm -hmm. But as far as like the participation piece, that's the difficult part because if there's a bunch of travel programs in your area, and no one heads up the rec program. Cause a lot, the reason my son got into rec to travel lacrosse is through coaches he met in rec lacrosse. He's like, hey, I think your son's good enough to play travel. So it's a lot of the same kids. It's just, they, they pull a few kids. It's not actually like an all-star team, but it's cause it's multiple programs, multiple teams. So one of his coaches was like, hey, I think, He texted me like, I think he's going to try out for this. So then that pulls away from the rec program. But in an area like this, where even with the travel program, the rec program is still substantial and still good, it's still like good competition. Or if you have a place where, like if your AAU team in San Antonio was like, oh, we're only going to have an AAU team, we're not gonna have a rec league. And then no one picks up that mantle to give an opportunity to the kids who aren't aren't gonna play AAU, then you might not have a team. You know, so that, that's that's, and that's the, what yeah.
0: And see, and this is my first time being exposed to this culture because my uh 14-year-old, uh, we just signed him up for an AAU team. And, you know, so far, you know, it's only ran the $260 fee to get him onto the team. So, you know, we'll see what comes with that. But, you know, uh, do you think that, I guess, how do you think that this youth sport culture, how does it affect sports going forward as far as once you make that leap to high school and get to college? Like, do you think that culturally that changes how players play or or does it make them better players overall or do you think that it just kind of comes with if you're good you're good it's it's part of
1: that I, I saw a clip of Deion sanders the other day i think he was at like a he was like a, like a business conference he was a guest speaker and he was like no matter where you are keep making plays somebody will see you if you're one of the best salesmen in your department keep making plays somebody will see you if you're one of the best insurance salesmen keep making plays somebody will see you so that that construct does work as well but with the travel, what it comes down to is that you have to be realistic simply because your kid plays a travel sport. They still have to get to a marketable, desirable size, speed, performance range in order to get viewed by a college or a prep school or something of that nature. So. You can play travel sports. Like I said, there's only one dude in the NBA listed under six feet right now. So it's like, yeah, your kid can play travel basketball. But if he's capping out at 5'8", it might be an avenue for him or her to get to, like, a prep school and get a good education. So it has to be, you have to have a look at it holistically. I told my son, because every once in a while he would talk about, I don't want to play lacrosse. I'm like, listen, keep playing lacrosse because I think you're good at it. You're going to get better at it. It's going to help you with the football. It's going to help you. This one, he wrestled. It's going to help you with wrestling. And now he plays basketball. Next sort to help you with basketball, to help you with the physicality. It'll keep you working out. it keep you working different muscles. Yeah, you might not get to six foot three where you just stand out and you just jump out of the gym. But work ethic through that many sports and your academics and opportunities that come with working those, doing those sports will help you out. It's just unfortunate that... If sports is the thing that they look at you for initially to give you an academic advantage, that's where your problem is it's like we want to get you into our prep school because you play sports, not because you are in a STEM program at your high school and you don't play sports when you want to bring you up. So that's where the rec rec would have just basically had you playing rec all the way up through high school. But if you couldn't play travel, you're just like, I gotta stop playing sports because I'm not playing travel in seventh or eighth grade. the kids who are playing rec they get more attention and i think it it does it does grease the path a little bit more and it's unfortunate that you can't have both ways but with that being said it is that is an avenue because it's not guaranteed you're going to get any kind of college oversight but what it does it just puts you in those environments puts you in those rooms where you're out there, you're with your team. You got your team across your chest, and you're out there making plays. Your name, your numbers on the back, and someone comes over and says, "Hey, you know, who's uh, who's 22's dad, or who's 30's dad, or who's 11's dad? You know, can I talk to you? Who, who's a parents are, uh, you know, number one? Can I talk to you about this opportunity, this opportunity?" And it does open up doors to show like this is what this is what performing well on a big stage does for you. So it does give me <laughs> selfishly like an opportunity to teach my son something but i, I admit openly that it's not it does it's not an advantage for everyone it does put certain people behind the eight ball where in in our case you know my, like it gives my son the opportunity to get a lot of training one-on-one a lot of time a lot of relationships that you might not otherwise get if you wasn't on that team
0: yeah and i guess that's the unfortunate part because you know capitalism everything is a business if there's a way to make money you know if there's a way for your money to have influence it will so you know um you know like i said i'm we're starting our aau path we'll see where that leads us you know we'll see you know my son gotta get to work you know i let him know already you know this isn't you know when he was playing high school basketball because this year his high school is in their first year they don't even have seniors this year so the juniors this year are going to be their first seniors next year so you know this year they had a varsity team, a JB team. They had a freshman team that was split into a two, an A team and a B team, you know, and obviously next year, once we get the seniors and all that kind of stuff, a lot of that stuff is going to go away. So um, <clears throat> what they had was a travel squad, you know, and uh, there was like three to five kids that they had on the bench that allegedly, you know, could play at any time you know, that allegedly could like get on the road, hence travel squad. But then they never did, you know, like they all collectively probably played five minutes, you know, the whole season, you know? So now, you know, they're doing the AAU thing. We'll see how that goes, you know? Um, But I'd let my son know, you know, Hey, you're out there with these kids that have aspirations. They're not here playing basketball for fun or, you know, just because they're, but they tried out with their buddy and it worked out. Like these kids have aspirations. They're trying to get to the league. They're trying to potentially at worst, you know, go to college, you know, and get a college basketball scholarship. So, you know, we'll see what he's made of, you know what I mean? Like hopefully at some point he'd develop his, that three point shot, but you know, if not, I don't know what's going to happen with him. So, so we'll see how that goes, but yeah, that was great insight, man. That's, that's, I definitely appreciate that knowledge and that, you know, the gems that you dropped on that one. But, you know, we're coming towards the end of another show here. You know what I mean? I can't believe it. You know, like I turned around this morning and I started looking at YouTube and all I saw was all these videos of us. And I was just like, oh, man, I can't even believe the time. just The time just flies, you know, like who knew, you know, um, but, you know, program a note to everybody. Like I said, we're going to be back to Tuesday and friday next week as regular so you know raf is going to get us started you know let us know what's on his chest and i promise i'm going to be on good behavior tonight
1: yeah and like i said i can i know i can be a little long-winded um this particular topic is, is, is a particular passion of mine like i mentioned before my broken windows the the nonprofit profit i started broken windows initiative um for the people that don't know i'll give them a quick recap the broken windows theory is a policing theory that essentially the aesthetics of your neighborhood led to its likelihood of criminal activity. So if you have an area like we've seen shows like The Wire, we've seen certain parts of city, certain dangerous cities, not necessarily dangerous, certain cities that aren't like uh, financially as um, provocative, for lack of a better word, as other cities, you have a lot of broken down buildings, burnt out cars, trash and things of that nature. So the police, per that theory, would open police's areas because that's I mean, you hide behind the, the broken car, the broken down car, out of the bush. And for me, like I said, my non—the nonprofit is is a self-help project. People reach out and take care of their neighborhood, take care of their environment. And it's not a matter of we want to keep everything separate. It's a matter of I want to galvanize the intrinsic and internal value people have themselves, especially in the black community. I'm not saying I'm not I'm an anti-white community or anti any community. It's just that certain communities like you can go to any major city in, in America and find a Chinatown, Koreatown, <clears> totally <throat> things of that nature. I just want to I want our neighborhoods as, as black people to to mimic those neighborhoods. There's not it's not exclusionary. It's just to build. And I think in order for us to build that, even through sport, we have to use our leverage appropriately. We can think about, like, I get my haircut every week. When I was living in Virginia, I was going to black barbershops. That is a black owned business that I supported since I was 10 years old, going every week, every two weeks, to get my haircut. We can take those kind of things and we can use them with sport. Sport. Mike Tomlin hires coaches, not saying it's hire all black coaches, but give the black special teams coach an opportunity to move up. So he brought Brian Flores in, Brian Flores took the opportunity, worked with Pittsburgh, went to Minnesota. He got an interview for Arizona. He reportedly turned it down because he felt like he felt a bit of an unease there, but he had an opportunity to be a head coach. So now Brian Flores, now you bring in the defensive back coach that was somewhere that, you know, looks like you, that gives you an opportunity. There's nothing wrong with wanting people in the room to look like you. I'm not knocking these owners for saying, you know what, this guy reminds me of me. I'm not, I can, I'm not knocking Bill Belichick for hiring his son. I'm not calling it nepotism, Brian Dable hiring his son because I, these people look like me. I have a relationship with them. I want them to be up here with me. So I just wish that in our community we had that same outlook. Look out for people. If you're gonna be a fan of sports. You're going to be a fan of someone, come out and see the kids' games. I've been to so many games where we take our team from here and we go to a neighborhood here in Jersey where we're playing a team that's predominantly Black, and we're traveling 30 or 40 minutes in a game. I look across the field, it's 12 people in the stands. Like, come on, man, it's 18 kids on the sideline. They need at least one person per player in the stands supporting them directly. You know? And then when they came up here i know it's a far driver kind of middle of jersey like in between all of the major highways and you look across at the high school game you know it's 30 40 kids on the sideline 50 kids on the sideline it's 20 30 people in the audience we got to get better at supporting each other at home we got to get better at supporting each other on the road we got to get better at supporting each other financially we got to get better at supporting each other with business ideas we have to get to the point where We're not clamoring on TV saying, oh, he didn't get hired because he's black. Well, can we get a black person position that can hire him? Can we get a black person position that can can speak for him? Can we get a black person in the room that says, hey, this is my guy, Brian, he's the next guy coming up? Because that's all it is. That's all it is in relationships. I got my job that I have now because I have a relationship with another parent whose son is on my son's lacrosse team and our football team and our, and I'm on the board of the football team. So he was like, Hey, and this is a white guy. I'm not saying just because, you know, he's black, but he talked to his boss or the manager and the manager reached out. I got an interview. I was hired the next week because of relationships that I, that were cultivated with this individual person, we have to put people in, the, in these positions where we cultivate those kind of relationships. You got to show up to the practice, show up to the games, be there and support. Because that's so much happens there. So much happens when you show up to someone. They play better when, when you show up and support. They play better when their neighborhood shows up and support and acts accordingly. Don't show up again to fight. Don't show up and just act crazy. Show up and, and be supportive. You you'd be amazed when you see someone show up and how they go off for of points. How they how they how their attitude changes, how they interact with the coach, how they interact with the ref, because they can look in the stands and see hey, someone's here supporting me. I get it. Parents can't be there all the time. But show up, support, be there for each other. That way people don't quit sport. It's it's, tough. it's a tough sport being out there. I, was, I had my son he was, when he was wrestling, and it was a kid, you know, didn't have a coach ready to support him. You need a coach, someone to help you through when you're, getting, when you're about to get pinned. And it's like they don't have enough people. We need to get to the point where we understand, like, listen, we can take time to to be social. We can take time to sit at home and cook. We can take time to just go to work. You got to take time to do other things, to support your neighborhood, support the people in it, and galvanize a real trust and bond. That way, when people come home, they don't want to just leave. Everyone gets mad at the Black black athlete for getting money and leaving. Like, okay, were you supporting me when I was down, or did you wait till I get dragged Will you support me when I was down or did you wait till I was on the cover ESPN a high school edition? Were you at my games, acting accordingly, watch me play? Or were you have my games because you had a beef for somebody else? Show up, show up for your team, show up for your people, show up for people who look like you. Everybody else does not it. It's not a matter if they don't care about you, but you got to care about us. We got to care about each other. And I think that's the piece. If we did that the same way. People from the Middle East, when they come to the East Coast and they set up their restaurants, and they set up their businesses, go in there, people pay the price. You pay whatever the price is for that sandwich. You pay the price w- for that haircut. You pay for the hoodie. You pay for this. Do those things. Be supportive of your neighborhood. Build your neighborhood up. Your community up. It says it takes a village. You got to be that village. You got to be a good part of that village. And I think if we did that, we wouldn't clamor so much about not getting hired because I got another business I can go get hired at because I built this relationship in this community. That's all I'm saying.
0: There you go. It makes so much sense. Sadly, so many people need to hear that, you know, and hopefully they're listening. We've, you know, we've said this stuff from time to time before, you know, hopefully they're listening. Exactly. So I remember. One of the most iconic videos slash pictures that I saw in sports history is the Dikembe Mutombo laying on the floor with the ball when they just knocked off the one seed Seattle Supersonics, you know, who Raph is repping today with the hat. You know, come on back, guys, come on back. But, you know, that's one of the most iconic, you know, pictures in sports history is the Dikembe laying on that floor just screaming with the ball in his hands. But when I see that, I think of Weber State beating North Carolina. I think of Mercer beating Duke. I think about my hometown, UMBC Retrievers, becoming the first 16 seed in history to beat a number one seed. And of course, somehow that one seed that lost to the 16 seed went on to win the national title the next season. I remember, you know, Mr. Drew. Hitting the shot from near half court, Valparaiso. Nobody knew who Valparaiso was. You know, people still don't know where Valparaiso is. It's in Indiana, by the way. But, you know, a lot of people don't know that. But sadly, sadly, it brings me to last season when St. Peter's knocked out the Kentucky Wildcats in the NCAA (laughs) tournament. But you know what? I took it in stride because it's March Madness, baby. You know, today is February 24th, year of our Lord, 2023. And on Monday, the first conference tournament gets underway. I'm already excited because I always take the first two days off of the tournament that Thursday, Friday. You know, look, even if you don't watch college basketball, even if you don't know anything about college basketball, everybody fills out a bracket. You know, even if you just choose the teams based on their mascots, you know, but there is a reason that college basketball resonates because it's easy to watch the NBA. Remember Kobe Bryant and Michael Jordan, you know, but some of us out here, we appreciate and love BCU and Butler and Gonzaga. You know, March Madness is coming, folks. Get ready. This is one of the best times of the year. And then after March Madness is over, You know, we're going to get into baseball. We're going to get into the NBA playoffs. And before you know it, it'll be football again. You know, but appreciate March Madness why it's here. I appreciate college basketball because these kids are out there. Well, most of them, because, you know, we got the transfer portal now, but most of them were playing for the name on the front of the jersey, not on the name on the back of the jersey. March Madness is here. It's a phenomenon. You know, fill out your brackets. You know, we're going to be talking about our final four here in a couple of weeks and, you know, who we're picking to get to the final four. But you see this joy on my face? March Madness is coming. So I don't know if that was something that I got off my chest because, you know, I had something about Portland earlier because, you know, Portland pissed me off these last few weeks. But, you know, <laughs> but Raph, you know, March Madness is coming. You know, I don't know. You know, I'm I'm so excited. You know, I don't know how to contain myself. Like, you know, literally every day I look at the calendar and I'm like, oh, it's not March 1st yet. Like, I'm so excited, man.
1: Yeah, I mean, yo, know, it's 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 a prime time. Like, everyone feels like a bracket. I think I won last year, Um, I think I won like $78 or a hundred, somewhere in that range. But a friend of mine that I went to tech school with back in 2000 hit me up. He was like, yo, doing a bracket to me. I was like, I think it was like a $10 buy-in And then I was picking, I don't know, I always pick like a, everyone, I pick a 15 every once in a while, I pick a 15 over a 2. I'm doing it less lately because everyone sees each other on TV, but I pick 11 over a 6. I definitely pick at least, I pick two 12 over fives probably every year.
0: Yeah. And, and, you know, I'm happy. I'm happy that UConn has been back, you know, they were a big part of our childhood growing up and, you know, in our, and into yeah, our yeah, teenage to adult years. Yeah. You know, Jim Calhoun, yeah, you know, that guy. Yes. You know, like I miss Syracuse and Georgetown, but Kimball you know, you can't have everything. The
1: Kimball Oh yes. Back.
0: Yes. So yeah. Conference Make- tournaments start I- off on, on Monday. I am here. Sense, but... Yeah. You know, so, you know, um, you know, but here we are, you know, at the end of another show, you know, and I will not leave today without shouting out Frankfurt. And that's Germany, by the way, not Kentucky. Frankfurt. Or, you know, or I already did that. Wilmington and Syracuse. You know, we'll give them again. We'll do them again. But, you know, but I want to also give a shout out to T3 Bracketology on Twitter. So for those of you that are into college basketball, make sure you follow that page. You know, shout out to to Manscaped, you know, and shout out to Red Bull, you know, and then and of course shout out to Prairie View A and M, who I'm wearing on my hat today. Rep your HBCUs. They ain't my HBCU, but they're a HBCU, and they still matter in my heart.
1: Yo, uh, like I said, just wanna want us to bond, so I use my you know my non profits. So shout out to Brooklyn Winners Initiative. And follow me on Instagram or on Twitter. You know, so sports reports is ordered on Instagram. Fear my wrath on Twitter. Uh, shout out to Collect ID. You can check them out. So start up out of Switzerland, turning your physical product into digital. It's a good idea. You can check them out on Instagram. Shout out to Tim. I met him last week at the uh, All-Star Weekend in Salt Lake City. So it's just, it's just a good run, you know. So you can follow them on Instagram, Collect ID. Um, you so, can say, you know, I'll, obviously follow Mike ML Dub, you can follow the podcast, keep giving us the views, uh, shout out to Harriman High School in Utah, um, you know, so it's just like, you know, I'm just, I'm just excited for what we're doing here, I talked to a friend of mine earlier, he's been doing podcasts, and he asked me, like, how many episodes you're on, I think we we're on like 13, he was like 13, y'all really on your Grizzly, and like, to me, it doesn't feel like that. It just feels like a couple of times a week I sit down with a good friend of mine. And we go over sports topics that we don't really see on TV. Uh, I know people talk about it, I was like yeah, it was like two hours. It's so long, but it's like listen, we 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 have to give you uh, objectivity and authenticity. So we we got to get deep. And like I said, you guys, it would have been three hours because we talk for an hour before we even start, and we talk about an hour about stuff that we don't even bring in the podcast. Yeah. So it's just, it just, you know, we, we, we want to find different ways. Like I said, we all watch channels. We appreciate you guys watching our channel um, and we'll keep doing it. We'll, you know, try to stick to the Tuesday, Friday schedule as the year kind of goes down, like on oh, my travel and everything else. But Tuesday, Friday, I might have another travel show here in a month. You know, catch me in the mountains again, but we'll get it to you. If you guys keep listening, keep watching, we'll keep talking and keep sharing this information. Like I said, always... Feel free to reach out You can find me on Facebook, Raphael Rudley, find me in the sports group. I mean, there's anytime you guys want to reach out, good, good, bad or indifferent, I want to hear it. I want to hear what you got to say. Just a good, good intellectual conversation can literally, I mean, it can lower your bro- blood pressure, it can increase life expectancy, it's are proven facts. Just being around good, solid, smart people, learning good, smart information, sharing good information, it's all good for the soul. You know, it's like, it's like a life, like a real life book. So. Anything you guys got to say, I want to hear it. Find me anywhere. You know, Mike, send us off.
0: Got to give the people. <laughs> Uh-oh, can't do that. I got. there's can't another do show that. doing that. Uh, hey, did. you know, ml <laughs> Del 25 on Instagram, 2-Bit Reports on Twitter. It will be in your descriptions. Like us, rate us, review us, give us five stars, leave some comments on YouTube, tell your friends about us. We love you, America. We'll see you on t- Tuesday.